0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Dr. Etta D. Jackson, founder of the Institute for Conscious Global Change and author of four nonfiction books on the topic of the ancient mysteries and how to make them current. Dr. Jackson, thank you for joining me and welcome.
1: Thank you, Jeff, and thanks for having me.
0: Etta, I believe your books were written under the direction of a divine presence. Can we start with how that all happened?
1: Yes, that is true. Well, I have had this interesting experience with what I call the golden white light, which has overshadowed me from I was a child. I can remember back when I was six, seven years old, this light would overshadow me and I would get information from this light. It was not an audible voice. It was like a imprint or download into my being. And I always had this sense that what I, the information I was being given was like in my cells. So it was not just in my head. It was in every cell of my body. And I remember saying that to my mom, that what I know is in my cells. So it was not a if or maybe about this information. It was so. And this has been the guidance that I have had all my life. I remember as a child telling my mom that I came here to help with the liberation of humanity, because that's what I knew in myself. Of course, at seven, six, seven years old, I had no idea what that meant, but that's what I knew. And as I got older and was given the information about the books, and then subsequently about the work with the United Nations through the Institute for Conscious Global Change, I began to get a better understanding of what that meant. But this has been my guidance all my life that I have complete trust and reliance on because I know, you know, that presence to be true and has never steered me wrong. So. Yes,
0: was there some sort of catalyst that started this contact between you and the golden white light?
1: No, I um, I, I've always I've always said that I came here. You know, on like being born, I've always, and these are the words that I keep saying because this is what feels true. I have always had a sense that I came to the planet consciously to be here at this time in the evolution of humanity to assist with the evolution of consciousness on the planet that's the sense i got so from that early stage in my life i just knew that that was it that that i came here to do this so the sense i got is that i had evolved through many lifetimes on many star systems and that based on my qualifications <laughs> without feeling you know sounding arrogant is that i had the information and i had the experience and the knowledge to be here at this time in the evolution of humanity to assist and so i chose to come here at this time and So it was not something external that really provided any catalyst for me. It was the inner knowing of coming here and making that decision before I came here to do this. So and in my life, my life journey was sort of awakening that knowledge that I came here with in this lifetime so that I could come back into full remembrance of um you know what I came to do because even the t- the books and I'll talk about how I got to do th- you know got the books to write um I had this sense that it's not this light that was telling me to write the books but that this is what you came here to do and I'm just reminding you that this is what you came here to do and so um, But I can go into how I actually came to write these books. Um, And that might be what you're talking about when you talk about the catalyst. Um, So, to tell you the real backstory to how this all came to be, it was um, 1975. I was here in New York, in Brooklyn, to be exact. And that light again, I was standing at a street light in Brooklyn, and that's this light overshadowed me, this golden white light, and said to me, write this title down. Is the title of a book that you will write. So I went into my pocketbook, took out my little notepad and wrote down the title. And the title that was given to me was Understanding Your Choice.
0: Can I stop you for one moment? I wanna get this before we go past that. When you say the light overshadowed you, What do you mean by that?
1: Well, what it is, is like there's a tube of light and I'm in it. So this tube of light engulfs me and I am in that light. I'm in this tube of light. That's how it happens. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so the light said to me, and again, it's not an audible voice. It's just the imprint of that information. Write this title down. It's a title of a book that you will write. And I was sort of amazed. I was 29 at the time and um, I had never written a book. And so when I got this information to do this, I like what? You know, um, (laughs) I'm no author. I'm no writer and understanding your choice. What is that? You know, because the title seems so abstract that I couldn't even wrap my head around what that meant. But I wrote it down as I was directed to. And just decided in my mind that I was the wrong person, that the light had made a mistake because it couldn't, it couldn't be. It could not be talking about me. But, you know, I said, OK, it's not me. And that will be cleared up in the future. But every five to 10 years, the title would pop up in my mind again. And I would say the same thing. You have the wrong person. It's not me. I don't know what understanding your choice means. And, um, and I'm no writer. So that went on for 25 years. I had left New York by then. And then I was directed to come back to New York in 2000 and i was at my friend's apartment in in the Bronx, in, in in Harlem and after about a week or two in the apartment the light spoke to me again and said it's now time to write the book and at first i said what book because this is 25 years later, but I suddenly remembered, ah, that book. And But by that time, I had stopped arguing. Somehow within myself, I knew that I had to write this book. And my own life and spiritual experience and journey had sort of informed me by then that I had to write this book. And I had a better sense of what that might be. So I began writing the book. And what was interesting, Jeff, in the apartment I was staying in, um, my friend had a bookshelf. And on the bookshelf was a book titled How to Write a Book. So the question was answered and and there were no more arguments. And I began writing the book. I wrote chapter one in New York and began chapter two. And then the light said to me, the remainder of the book has to be written in London. Because in London are these esoteric libraries. And I was told that the book needed to be written in a more academic format with glossary references, et cetera, et cetera. And that I would be able to access these books, even though I knew the larger story, but it needed to be written in that context. And I still don't know why um, I had to write it in that context, but that's how the books were written. And so I went to London and stayed with my very good friend who had gone to high school with in Jamaica. And I told her, I said, I have to come to London to write this book. And she says, come on. And so I went there and I would, during the writing of this book, now this light that overshadowed me during the writing of this book was a different kind of light than the golden white light that I'm accustomed to. This was a tube of golden light, gold pure gold. And during those seven months, I spent seven months um, writing in London, writing the book, I would just be enveloped in this tube of golden light. And it would direct me as to where the chapters and the paragraphs could be placed. So I always felt that The book, Understanding Your Choice, was literally being, um, it's like it was. It's like an entity that was being constituted. The book itself. That every, every sentence, every paragraph, every chapter had to be rightly placed. And it was clear to me that there was a message that the book, Needed to communicate, and I was told that even if people don't, if people even if you don't understand everything that is in the book, that the vibration from the book will bring about some kind of energetic change in the individual. And so that was a fantastic experience to have. I would go to the libraries, different libraries in London, and I would literally be instructed to pick that book, that book, that book, that book, and that's how I would, and I'd come back home, and I would write, and I'd write, and that took place for seven months.
0: Would you say that you were being guided and assisted to write this book, or was it being written through automatic writing where the light was dictating the material to you
1: no no um and i think the 25 years that it took from the time i was given the title of the book to write onto when i wrote it was for me to have this knowledge and experience myself so that it was not automatic writing it wasn't channeled writing it was what i knew This is what I knew, but I needed to format it in a way that it would have the maximum impact on the reader. And that's how I understood that.
0: Now, the title is Understanding Your Choice. And so what that means to me, it's about the choice we made for this life pre-birth. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the message that the light wanted me to communicate with this book. That our experience here was is not an accident and it's not, you know, by chance, that prior to coming to the planet, and that's all of us, that this was this whole Earth experience right. is, a, is an experiment that we chose to participate in. And part of that experiment required that we forgot where we came from so that we could we could be fully immersed in the experience in matter. Because if you remember everything about who you are in this lofty place, you know, it would be much more difficult for you to totally engage in the experience of not remembering um, that you and your brother are one, Uh, light and dark are two aspects of the one thing, and all of the peers of opposites. So there is this experiment that we all chose to come onto on this plane of matter so that we could expand the consciousness of the universe because the more we add the experiences that we individually and collectively have add to the all to the whole and so that's what we chose to come in to come to do and it's that and and forgetting that this is what we came to do sets up a lot of anxiety and pain and suffering in humanity because the question then is, why is this happening to me? But if you understand that this is part of the experience that you chose to have, then it makes it a little bit easier for you to accept. And I know even so, it's difficult for many people to accept that I chose to purposely come to have this experience of pain and suffering and grief, but how else would the greater whole know what that is, what that feels like, unless you know there is this experience in the form to inform what pain, what suffering, what joy, what sorrow, um, all the heights and depths of life is all about. And we chose to come to help with the whole, experience of you know not just humanity but the whole universe and universes and so i think that when we understand the sacrifice that we made to come to give up that knowledge of oneness to be separated and to experience what separation looks like and feels like so that we can add to the whole I think that then we should realize that, you know, we are making a huge contribution to the whole. And that should give you some, give everyone some feeling of, you know, of satisfaction that is not just suffering for suffering's sake, but that I am making a huge contribution to the whole. And this is my understanding
0: are you saying when we return to the other side that we become one and all of our experiences are shared between each other
1: we don't have to wait until we get to the other side and this is part of what the ancient mysteries are about to help you un- to help humanity to understand that you are meant to have this experience here And to die to that separation here while you're in form and awaken to the knowledge of oneness here. And that you don't have to die in order to have that experience. And that's what the ancient mysteries are about. And this is what masonry really teaches, you know, that death, you know, raising death and raising that Jesus died and, and you know rise again on the third day. all of those are symbolisms of what humanity is meant to experience in this in his in his experience as human being, that as human, you can become God or come into total remembrance of your Godhood while you are in flesh. And that death, physical death, Is not the vehicle for you to know to know not just to feel or think but to know that you are in fact god and man because in that experience you have total remembrance because your cells will wake up to the remembrance of that fact that you are in fact god and so this is why The ancient mysteries will become the signature information for the Aquarian Age to help us to get back to the ancient mysteries to understand all of those mysteries, which are not so (laughs) mysterious after
0: all. Many guests will come on and say something basically the same that we are all God. How do we make the jump from understanding it to? Knowing that it's true,
1: absolutely. And again, going back to the ancient mysteries, you know in the in masonry, we you know they talk about the thirty third degree masonry. Mm-hmm. And in Christianity, we know that Jesus died at the age of thirty three. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really sim it's a symbolism for the 30, 33 paths of wisdom that one must walk to get to that place of Christhood. And Jesus was the way shower to show us how you actually do that. And so what my books do is help to take you through the process of how you get from, I believe that is so, to coming to know that this is so by allowing the physiological process, because knowing is not just something that you think about in your, in your head, it's something that is physiological. All the cells of your body has to come into that knowingness. And the knowledge of that knowingness, Jeff, is already in your DNA, it's in your cells. It just needs to be awakened. But there's a process that one has to undertake and this is what masonry really is about. Many people talk about masonry but they don't really know what masonry is. True masonry. There's an outer masonry or ex- exoteric masonry and there's esoteric masonry. Exoteric that which is the ancient, esoteric which is the ancient knowledge, the ancient mysteries help you to go through the process those 30 through steps that one has to undergo to come into full knowingness which is what jesus that's what jesus went through and that's why he could say at the end i now i i now know that i and my father are one he didn't believe it he didn't think it hope it wished it he now knew it because he had gone through those 33 steps in order to come to know that as a fact and so this is why this information was given to me to present to humanity. And I was told by the light when I was given this information that at this point, at the end of the Piscean age, humanity would be in a quandary, trying to understand what was going on. As you know, so many changes are taking place because we're not only at the end of a 2,160 year cycle of Pisces, the age of Pisces, But we're also at the end of the cosmic year of Pisces, which is 25,920 years. So we're at this huge washover period where humanity now must not not must move from following someone externally, a teacher, a master to come to now come inside and to. Come to know who you are so that the relationship is not horizontal, but vertical. That you and your soul must now come into a relationship that will allow this knowledge to be unfolded to you. Um, Because your teacher is your inner teacher. That's your real teacher.
0: (laughs) Can you give us some examples of a couple of those steps that you speak of?
1: Well, there are some, you know, you might have heard of the seven hermetic principles. And uh, one of them is, first of all, wanting to know. It's desire that brought us into incarnation and it's desire that is going to help us to unfold. You must want it. And I think one of my the reasons for my works is to help you come to that place even to realize that I want more. And I think that that's kind of where humanity is now, especially after COVID. People, there's a lot of psychic information that was given and people are beginning to realize that there might be something more and wanting more. So you as an individual must come to that place in oneself where you recognize that, I want more. It's not enough for somebody to tell me about myself, that I want to know for myself. And that's why my books are not for the curious. It's for those who are really seriously wanting to have that kind of knowledge about themselves, because as the master says, we're here to know ourselves. So the first thing, the first step is to, again, pay attention. To to desire to know, to pay attention, and to begin to let go of your ideas of what you think things should be and allowing your soul to speak to you. And that is difficult because, in this worker, you know, this world in which we are running hither and from. It's hard to come to that place where we can be still enough to to ask the question, first of all, please unfold to me, reveal to me what I need to know. I desire to know. And that might seem like a very simple, um, you know, unimportant step, but is vital because this is an individual journey that you're about to walk. It's not about you and your friends and you know your neighbors. It's about your journey, and it's a journey walked alone. You know, so um, coming to that place first. This is the first step, and once you do that, Jeff, it's amazing how your soul begin to reveal, unveil. It might meet. You might be meeting somebody who you can have a conversation with. You might be picking up a book. But the information begins to be unfolded. And when you're still enough, you'll hear the voice of that silence. You know, your soul will begin to to speak to you. And so that is what I'd say, you know, before even going any further, if you don't, if you can't get there, <laughs> you, none of the others are really going to be relevant.
0: Perhaps the reason that you are here is the beginning of that conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is what why I wanted to have these conversations, Um, because I I feel that, again, referencing COVID, I think COVID has brought us into the house. It's like the divine feminine says, I want you in the house so I can talk to you. (laughs) And I think a lot of inner conversations began during that COVID time because we were forced to we were forced to sit still and hopefully listen. And I think this was the crisis that was needed. And usually, unfortunately, humanity doesn't change or do what it knows it needs to do unless a crisis occurs. So the universe set up this crisis um, to allow for the stillness to be in the house, to be able to begin to listen. And so um, this is where we are. And I think and I know that we are on the threshold of a huge transformation as humanity. Um, The last 2160 years of Pisces was to really prepare the human vehicle. Physically, emotionally, mentally, to be able to now access this body of knowledge, because you needed to develop. The intellect, and you needed to become emotionally mature enough to be able to look at this kind of information in a mature way, objectively, rationally, and you know holistically. And interestingly, the age of Aquarius is called the age of reason. It's the age of occultism. Many people are frightened by even the word occultism. All the word means is veiled knowledge. And why was it veiled? Because you were not ready. You would not give information to a child that you know is not capable of assimilating. So the Piscean Age prepared the body, the physical body, the mental bodies, and the emotional bodies to be now able to access this much more complex kind of information. And my job was to to, um, provide this information to humanity in the the most accessible form. That's what I was told by the light, that this body of knowledge was to be presented in the most accessible form for the largest percentage of humanity. So what I did and why I was sent to all these libraries in London to access the information, not so that not because I don't know the information for myself, but that there are references. This is not just what Etta says, but there are other authors and sources of information that you can reference and you can read on your own. And so that's why all those references are provided. And now that you have, you're mature enough intellectually, you'll be able to access that information yourself. Because again, the teacher is not any individual, it's you and your soul working together to unfold the knowledge of who you are. And so that was, um, that was a process.
0: Do you recall the point that you moved from believing to knowingness that we were our God? And if so, what was that change or transformation like for you?
1: Wow. Well, Wow, that's uh that brings up some very deep emotions, Jeff. I have I have been a member of an esoteric order called the Builders of the Additum for eight years, and when I began um, with those lessons, I could remember I could remember that I I know this information. But it was really, I think a process was to formalize my knowledge. And um after eight years of being in the order, the school, you'd get lessons. Um something profound happened. I had gone through three initiations. And and again, I talk about exoteric work or knowledge and esoteric knowledge. There's an outer school and there's an inner school. So everyone who is a member of the outer school are not necessarily members of the inner school. And so what I experience is being taken through these initiations on the inner plane and being brought to a place where there was this Divine union of my vehicle, with my spirit, and I became one with the one life, with my spirit. And as I'm talking about it, it is just so profound. It is so, yeah, that's when you come to know that you're one with who you call God, but it's your spirit that there is no more separation because this is what separation is, what characterizes the experience that humanity is having here. And ultimately what has to happen is that the separation is broken down and dissolved. And this is what, you know, these, you know, different deaths and rebirths and the ultimate rebirth is when you become one at first, your personality must become infused with your soul and then that infused personality then becomes infused with your spirit and at the third initiation that is what happens you become one and so th- this idea of separation no longer exists this is really and this is what really enlightenment actually is there's no more separation not in just in your Not in your head, but in reality. That initiation takes you into full union with who you are. And it is, um, I don't think I've ever talked about it before, Jeff, (laughs) with anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So it's bringing up this, wow, this awesome experience, you know, that I had in 1993. And um, you're changed forever. You become a different per. You know, you're a different person. And this is what I talk about: being here, and being one, and being God. You don't have to die to be. And that's what Jesus. It, that that death and raising. That's what it really is about. And everybody need. And and that is. And that is open to everyone. You know. And I want to break down this idea that. You have to look to a master or a guide to tell you and to know they will help you to become what they are. Because <laughs> that's what you came here to do, to experience. Because that's why Jesus says, I'm not your savior, I am your way shore. I came here to show you the way to achieving this oneness in flesh on this planet. And this is this is this is the whole. This is the whole experiment. How can I come into matter, forget who I really am, go through these life experiences to expand my knowledge of who I am, and then remember that I am in fact one with all life. That is that's the experiment. So if you come here and you die and you don't complete the experiment, you'll have, you know, what was the purpose of it? We're not just here to have, you know, terrible times, nice times, and then leave. And no, this is what it's about. And my books are meant to take you through the process of how you get to the feet of your soul so that you can, that knowledge can be unfolded to you so that you can walk that journey with you and your own teacher. And there's nothing more profound. And there's no money in the world. There's no title. There is nothing that supersedes that. It is the ultimate. And to also help humanity to realize, because what we have done, Jeff, is that we have defined ourselves by matter how much money we have, what titles you have, whatever. That's not it. (laughs) Wisdom, that is the ultimate currency. And this is what we came here to do. So, this age of Aquarius is to, and why um, we're seeing the disillusion of many of these, the material element, you know, and even the technologies helping us to get there, to be more abstract, to take us back to that other dimension of ourselves, is to help us realize that um, this is really what we came here to, to do, to accomplish, And um, and it's not and the experience is not complete without having experienced that. And that is true that not everyone will, because some souls came here to just experience what it is to be at this point in this awesome um, time in the history of humanity. But this is this is the goal. And my books are meant to help you understand that.
0: You mentioned Freemasonry or Masonry, and one of your books is called The Role of Consciousness in Governance. Mm -hmm. Did you go and research Freemasonry? Because I don't think women are allowed to be a member or unless they're, I think there's another name for them. There's a kind of a female version of that.
1: And that's the myth of Masonry. Because as I said to you, there's exoteric Masonry, which is more of a social order, to be honest. And then there is true masonry, which is esoteric masonry, which is the inner order. And there is no such thing as, you know, men and, you know, women not belonging to masonry. Because what masonry is, is building the vehicle, constructing the vehicle so that your spirit can actually dwell inside, in you. Like, you know, the process I was explaining to you earlier. So how could that be for men and not women? <laughs> you know, So that whole thing is a myth. And that's why, again, I was asked to write these books, to break down all of these falsehoods and illusions about who we are. And that also typifies what I talked about, about separation. You know, Because we chose to come into this plane to have this experience within the tension of the peers of opposites. Men and women, good and bad, black and white, you know, um, above and below, evil and good. They're all part of the one life, the one experience. So again, this is this is part of why the books are, are given to me to write. And I can tell you that from my own personal experience, what Masonry really is, <laughs> because I went through the process of all the initiations in Masonry. But in the inner, on the inner plane, on the inner school, there's an inner school. And the masters of, where the masters of wisdom takes you to the initiations.
0: You're involved with the United Nations and you have your consciousness for global change, basically. Are you trying to put these masonry practices or beliefs within government, especially on a global scale?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Interestingly, it was in the writing of my second book, Unveiling the Secrets of the Feminine Principle, that right here in my apartment, this profound, beautiful feminine force appeared to me and said, Go to the computer, sit down, and concretize the ideas that you've been walking around with in your head for all these years. And I remembered vaguely thinking about how development could be done differently. But, you know, it was just vague. And interestingly, I got to the computer, you know, I always follow the directions that I'm given. I go to the computer and I started writing. And it was interesting because I started to write down what I'd always thought about how citizens and governments should work together to identify the issues that they're experiencing in any given community and work together to solve them. But one of the things that the Divine Feminine said to me that was so central to this development idea was that it should be visual. Now, at the time, the only thing I knew about a visual platform was graphic design. (laughs) So I wrote up my idea and with graphic design, and I went to a meeting at Columbia University. I'm pretty close by them, and I I knew that Columbia University at the Earth Institute was involved with the United Nations in the Millennium Development Goals, so I connected with them, trying to partner with them to advance this idea that I had. So they invited me, I was on their mailing list, so they invited me to an evening, um, an information evening, and I thought it was going to be about the Millennium Development Goals. It turned out that it was an information evening about their PhD and master's program. But as it would, the universe would have it, there's this young lady from New Hampshire who came to the event also, thinking that it was what I thought it was. And um, we were commiserating when we realized that you know, it's what, not what we thought it was. But she said to me, she said, you know what you need for that? And I said, no. And I she says, you need GIS. And I said, what is GIS? And she said, geographic information systems technology. And she said, the universities that teach earth science, geology, and geography would have the technology because it's a very expensive technology and I couldn't afford it by myself. So I came home and swapped out graphic design for geographic information systems. And what led, what happened as a result is that I, the leading GIS software um, developer in the world, which is in Southern California, Esri, um, ended up donating the software to my organization. At first, when I was asked to write up this idea about development, I never even intended to found an institution, I thought I would just give it to the United Nations and say, "Here is a an idea that I think you should, you know, adopt." But the universe had other plans, and I ended up having to write the articles of incorporation, file the 501c3, and then I was guided by the light to go to take to take this to the United Nations, and I was told that I was to get the um, accredited by the UN. So in 2012, my organization um, gained special consultative status with the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations. That had nothing to do with my spiritual work. But what I what I understood that the Divine Feminine Divine Mother was saying to me, all this wonderful, esoteric, philosophical work and information is wonderful and needed but at the same time we have such a large percentage of humanity living in poverty and that unless this is addressed all that higher knowledge cannot be accessed by these people who don't have basic necessities on which to live so they're 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 they're, they're interlinked but they the, the purpose as i know it is to go to the United Nations and to present this information about how we could do this differently. And so, in as I said in 2012, I my the organization received special consultative status, which allows the organization to work with member states in a more direct way, so um, so you to the organization to be able to give input in the work of the United Nations, so that the United Nations can be better equipped to actually meet the needs of humanity. And so this is this is how um, this was the reason for being there. My idea for development became adopted by the United Nations in 2016. And in 2019, I did a pilot in um, Kenya that showed how the new 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, which is a very robust, comprehensive development plan that is designed to eradicate poverty for everyone everywhere, was um, to show that this was agreed upon in 2015 by all 193 member states and it's the first time in the history of the United Nations that such a comprehensive document that is was so diversely you know impacted by all 193 countries civil society businesses academia philanthropic organizations everybody had input in the development of this fantastic document and then the 2030 agenda i mean um the work that my organization does, using geographic information systems technology, observation technology, and geodesign technologies, shows how this huge agenda can actually be implemented. Because the GIS platform allows you to see the whole landscape. You get to see all the issues that are there, see what's there, what needs to be there. You get to have a conversation with the government and the citizens and they get to decide how they want their future to be. And that's what I had the privilege of doing in Kenya in 2019. And it happened to be my dissertation research. And so uh, I took one stone and killed two birds (laughs) and um, had a wonderful experience both with the government and citizens in this informal settlement called Maniata in Kenya to show to the United Nations, here is the how-to for how we can actually do that. So they're separate, but, you know, of course, because nothing is really separate, they're all, it's all interwoven, but this is what my work at the United Nations is about.
0: So you're working to eliminate poverty. To me, that means possibly the divine is trying to help us all collectively now move beyond these reincarnations and suffering and over and over. We're kind of like done with that. We're trying to get everybody (laughs) to the next level. Yes. Would you you agree with
1: it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is exactly what it is. But in order for that to happen, we can't leave anyone behind, which is one of the taglines of the 2030 Agenda, leaving no one behind everyone has to come move forward because we can't none of us can go home unless all of us go home and so i think the divine mother was saying these people who have been left behind you know here are my books with this you know very elevated understanding of who we are but when you are when you don't when your basic needs are not being met, you, you're not in that place where you can even appreciate anything that I've written about. Mm-hmm. You're, a, you're in a survival mode. And so, um, so it's almost like at the top and at the bottom. And how do we bring those two together through the development, through the work of the United Nations? And then for those who are ready for this information that I've written in my books, here is that information to take you to the next step. And on those that are left have been left behind, let me move you forward so that you can get to a place where you have you're in a mental and emotional space where you can even read my books. So that's that is how I um I know it to be.
0: I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term star seeds, but Mm -hmm. if you are, a lot of people feel that they've come here or incarnated here to help humanity, and I believe that you feel the same as well. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like we're getting closer and closer, or do you have a time frame when we're all going to move to the next level?
1: Well, we are. But as I said before, um, the preparatory work that was done in the Piscean Age Preparing your vehicle, because in order for you to carry out that work, you have to be It's from this center of who you are that you move out into the world. So if you're fractured, you will create a fractured world. And this is what has happened. So the first thing that has to happen is for you to come back to who you are so that you can. Because for one, you have to remember. And this is what the process of initiation and enlightenment is about, is to break down the walls. And this is what the Aquarian Age is meant to do, break down all the separations uh, based on gender, race, money, and all of those elements to come back into the understanding that you and your brother are one. When When you come to that place, you cannot treat your brother and sister any other way. Because you realize that I am you and you are me and we are one and we are in this experiment together and we can't, as I said before, none of us can go home unless all of us go home. And so that has to happen first because you cannot, you cannot help somebody until you're at the place where you can, at least you can, you're ready to serve. So star seeds have to come to that remembrance because all of us to different degrees have forgotten who we are. But that's what this experiment about is about. You come in, you come in forgetting so that you can remember. So prepare you have to first prepare yourself to do the work that needs to be done. Because there are a lot of people trying to help one another, help people, but they haven't helped themselves first. And it just it doesn't usually work. And so what we all and as you see, as you can see, Jeff, I think we're all beginning to realize Because I think that when you begin to see with the inner eye, you begin to see that it's happening. You know, these young people who um, came in to help us realize the future they have less of those separation elements in their consciousness than the older generations. So the planet is being seeded with entities who have a better understanding of that oneness. And as they begin to take their places of leadership in these different governments and these positions of authority, we're beginning to see a new world emerging because they have to be in places of authority or you know administration where they can help to push the agenda of the one of the um the divine plan for humanity and it's happening and you 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 can see it really if you're you know able to cuz we can become so caught up in the crises that we don't see the order within the crisis and this is what inner sight allows you to do to see insi- inward you know to to penetrate the veil of appearances and to see inside instead of looking at and when you are able to see that way you see that in spite of all the chaos that's going on there is an order to all of it and we're getting there
0: do you think that there is no coincidence that the U.S started with people who were involved in Freemasonry?
1: No, it's no no coincidence at all because the whole the United States was founded on the principles of Freemasonry, contrary to what many people believe. Um, and, and you'll see all the symbolisms. I I wrote this fourth book, the idea that is the United States of America, though it's the eighth chapter in my third book, The Role of Consciousness in Governance, I wanted to kind of pull it out and make it into a separate little book so that people would have more access to it. Because I think that once you understand the, the idea on which the United States was founded, it will give you a better understanding of what our goal is. It's no mistake that the motto for the United States is e pluribus unum, out of many one people. Not only the United States was founded on this idea that people from every kindred tongue and nation would come to this place called America, founded on this idea that out of many one people that we are one, contrary to our appearances, that we're all one. And that this Masonic principle which is what that is all about, would be the prevailing idea for this country. And I'm gonna say this, more and more as the Aquarian age unfolds, the principles of masonry are gonna become more predominant and overtake our religious, the more fundamentalist and religious views, because that is the principle on which the United States was founded and you'll see all the symbolisms in that little book that i wrote the idea you know that i pulled out all the, you see all the symbolisms of masonry and once you understand what they mean and not be frightened by these ideas oh you know, look at this masonry and the devil people none of that is true to help you understand what these symbolisms mean and what our the goal is for this Country and this world, and I also think that it's not also a mistake that we all come from different parts of the galaxy. All these different people—we are one humanity, um, one race of humanity with the different strains coming from different. So, on a global level, um, we are seeded by all these different strains of humanity on the planet and um, and the United States represent, again, you know, on another level, the sampling of all of humanity from everywhere. And then we talked about New York earlier, even on a more, you know, condensed level, you know, um, that here we have an example, because that is the goal, that we come to understand that we are one humanity. There are no different races. Um, We are one race called humanity, homo sapien. And we came here to have this experience. How can these different people from these different places, with these different ideas live together as one, sharing our experiences? Because again, that's what we came here to do, to have experiences so that they can inform, better inform who we are as these divine beings living in these veils. And as the veils are removed, which will definitely become more and more so in this Aquarian age, we'll begin to realize that what we say or what we think are elements to separate us are actually elements that unite us and help us to remember that we are in fact brothers and sisters, one mother, one father, regardless of how we appear on the outside.
0: You have these four books. Are you working on anything else that you want us to know about?
1: No, (laughs) that was what was given to me. I, um, I wrote the first book and as I told you, I argued for 25 years about (laughs) writing it, understanding your choice. And then I think they held off telling me about the other books until I was almost done writing the first one. So after I was almost done writing, Understanding Your Choice, the light said, you have two other books to write. And here are the titles. And so, but of course, by then I had done arguing, you know, so I just knew that I had to write, you know, the other two books. And then the fourth book, like I said, is a smaller book that I personally decided to take um, the chapter eight of the third book and sort of expand on it a little with images, to because I thought that, you know, if people understood what the United States is about, they would really put into proper context all that's happening and why. And another thing, Jeff, that was absolutely essential for me to communicate in these books and the light wanted me to communicate is light and dark, what we call good and evil. I know that many people are going to be shocked to hear this. But who we call the devil or Satan, which is really Saturn, and who we call God, who is that we call Jupiter, they're the complements of each other, they're one and the same. They're two sides of the same coin. But that's what we came here to experience. This tension between this apparent peers of opposites, and how do we reconcile them? So actual, actual transformation and enlightenment you cannot be enlightened without reconciling the pairs of opposites (laughs) that's the basis for the whole experiment so if you can't see how the dark has informed you i i define darkness as veiled light what you're not able yet to properly understand and again like i was saying having been prepared academically and emotionally now we can begin to tease out what is dark and what is actually light, what is evil, what is good. And you get to see that they're all intertwined. And there's a reason why this situation was set up that way, because that's the experiment. So we came here to experiment and understand and reconcile. So um, we're right on.
0: Etta, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What's the best way to reach you?
1: My email address is arcanum33 at gmail.com. Okay. That would be the best way. My website is www.edadjackson.com. And it would be good for people to go there and sort of check out the information there. And they're all of my books that are available there too.
0: Yeah. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
1: Wow. I usually use this phrase: "May light be extended upon you," <laughs> um, because I the light is so and it's so complete, you know. And I. I know these are difficult times, but what I'd say to humanity, take heart. It's not as bad as it appears, it just appears that way. And that once you understand better what the plan was from the very beginning, you will see that you are in your right place and everything that is happening is exactly as it should be. But because of not understanding what that plan was that you became a part of and understanding your choice in it that it might have been a bit unsettling but there are much better days ahead. We are moving into a fantastic time on this planet but we have to go through these rough waters because we're at the end of those washover periods as I call them the cosmic the end of the cosmic year of Pisces and the and the age of Pisces. And so it's to be expected that, you know, this would be turbulent times, but we've done fantastically. But now we need to understand better why we did, why we chose to do this.
0: Dr. Jackson, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest.
1: Thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. All All the best.
0: (laughs) Same to you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.